Hi, my name is Vody Asimoto. I'm here with my editor, Reese. And with us today on The Green and Black, we have special guest, former sports editor, ESPN Honolulu's morning board operator, and 50th Pig podcast co-host, Tanner Hayworth. Yeah, glad to join you guys. Uh, you know, I really appreciate it. As you mentioned, I am the former sports editor, one of the many. Uh, I was only there for about a year, taking a semester off due to all the COVID stuff, but I'm really glad that I'm here. I could see the two guys that I hired a semester ago and I'm, you guys are really thriving out there. So I'm excited to see, you know, excited to be here and, you know, just excited to see that you guys are doing very well out there. All right. Well, I mean, homecoming, what do you call we upset number 18 Fresno state. I mean, who's not excited about that. And, you know, just to get our excitement all out of the way, Let's get your opening thoughts. Um, I guess since you're our guest, we'll start with you, Tanner. Alrighty. Well, I was, you know, listening to the game uh, as I'm in charge of doing all, a lot of the radio stuff. I was by myself at our ESPN Honolulu uh, offices downtown. And, you know, just listening to the game, you know, obviously, I think the first thought is, you know, you have to feel a little bit bad for the players and just for the whole, whole fact that, you know, no fans a lot of people, whether it be, you know, David Lasner, Dave Matlin, I mean, Josh Green, Mayor Blangiardi, and pretty much everyone who's a fan of UH football, we've all been, you know, clamoring for the governor to allow fans, at least for this weekend, at least for homecoming. Because I think it's really important for a lot of these players that there are fans there. And we've seen in games throughout this year that fans really do make a big difference in the game whether it be just general atmosphere or even just like a false start here and there. So first thought is, you know, it's sad that there couldn't be fans there, but then that's immediately trumped by we just upset number 18 Fresno state. Of course, it's a first time we beat a nationally ranked opponent since uh, Nevada in 2010, but we beat number, I think it was number 19 uh, Nevada led by Colin Kaepernick. So it's really awesome. Uh, excited for the team. It's one of the best defensive performances I've ever seen from Hawaii football. And yeah, I don't want to take up too much time. So we can go on to the next thought from there. All right. Well, I mean, you talked a little bit about crowd noise and all that and false starts. Reese is working on a really interesting stat during the game. So why don't you expand more on that? Yeah, totally. Um, I just want to go back to what Tanner said, though. I think, yeah, it was, that was something that, you know, Todd Graham, he brought up last time or in his post game after he was like, you know, he was really kind of disappointed that they did not only did they not have fans, they couldn't get their players, families and friends in there. And that really hurt. But going back to what Bodie said about the stat, you know, the UH band was, I think, is it the diamond head end zone they were in? Yeah. Diamond head end zone. Yeah. So when they were there, Fresno State going in that direction, Hawaii outscored them, I think, 27 to seven. So, and I think was it about three or four turnovers went in that direction, right? Out of the six. Yeah. So it totally helps to have your fans here. And I think they, it's kind of sad because they missed out on probably one of the biggest games of the year. I guess I'll continue on that. I mean, you know, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, but yeah, it really sucks that we didn't have fans here. But I, I think one takeaway we have here is I think there's a bright future in Manoa. Braden Shager made his first start. I got the tweet out during the warmups. I was a little worried there because I wasn't sure if it was going to be a sidekick by Todd Graham or not. But you know, he looked, he went out there. He, he had a little bit of a struggle in that like mid period in the second and third quarter, but he really came on strong in that fourth quarter, throwing two touchdowns, one to uh, tight end Caleb Phillips. Let's go tight ends. And the second one to Calvin Turner Jr. And I think what's interesting, if you look at Braden Shager, I think a lot of, I, I mean, I heard it a lot during fans voice after the game where a lot of people were like, is there a quarterback controversy? Is Braden Shager going to be competing? Let's be real. Braden Shager is not ready to compete with Chevin Cordero. Chevin Cordero, I think is at a way higher level than Braden Shager. I would say, give him a year. He'll retro this year. Cause he has what three more games he could play in or two more games. So I think he'll probably retro this year. Shevin will have his last two years here because he's still a sophomore by NCAA rules, whether it be due to red shirts or, you know, the COVID red shirt and all that stuff. So 
I think Shevin Cordero is a much better athlete than Braden. I think Braden has a lot that we can look forward to. You could see a lot that, yeah, he's still a true freshman, especially in those, like you mentioned, the second and third quarter. And that, especially that one drive where he just threw it into the end zone five straight times and then rolled out and then, you know, didn't get the fourth down conversion with a wide open uh, Jonah Panoke in the middle. If he, you know, had, I think in, if that was Shevin, he keeps his eye up. He looks and sees Jonah Panoke running free in the middle, gets that first down. But, you know, true freshman, he still has a lot to work on. I really like him, but I think it's finally nice to see that Shevin is our number one quarterback and there shouldn't be a competition. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think, you know, like you said, I mean, Shager, he's a true freshman. So obviously, you know, not as much experience as Cordero does has, but yeah, I mean, Cordero is, they said it, he's like the captain of this team. He's has, he's that leader of this Hawaii football team. And yeah, right now it's his team. So I think he has, he should be quarterback one right now. I'm going to keep, this rolling. I definitely agree. I think he saw some like rookie mistakes from Shager, especially with keeping his eyes downfield on that one fumble he had. He kind of stopped that he didn't see the defender coming and he on his windup, the um the ball got smacked out. And it's just a whole bunch of rookie mistakes, but you saw a lot of promise from Shager. But I, I think the way the offense is running right now, you're gonna want Cordero in there. Fun fact. Do you guys know when the last time a true freshman came back to win a game for University of Hawaii? I believe it was Cordero, right? Shevin Cordero playing Cole McDonald, where they had a body double out wearing Cole McDonald's jersey. I believe it, I don't know if it was Boone Abbott because it had to be as someone as tall and blonde because I think Rolo dressed him in 13 and then Shevin came out because Cole McDonald was dealing with a back injury. So this type of like uh, mischievousness done by Todd Graham it's something that we've seen from Rolovich from years prior. And, you know, I think it's always exciting. We get another true freshman come back win. I think Braden Shager won a freshman of the week for the Mountain West. I think it's well-deserved. He, you know, he didn't obviously pass for a lot, but he still got two touchdowns. He still helped the Rainbow Warriors uh, win for against a ranked opponent. All right. Now, before we get into our thoughts and on the three different phases of the game, I want to get into a tweet by Josh Pacheco. If you look at it, the Mountain West power rankings, Nevada's number one. Fresno State still stands at number two. San Diego State's at three. And Hawaii's all the way down there at seven. Just thoughts, guys. I'm fine with it. Um, you know, Josh is my supervisor at ESPN Honolulu. I literally just came from work, so we always talk in the morning, so... I'm fine with this ranking. I like Nevada at number one. They did take down Boise State very handily behind someone who we probably, not Carson Strong, but Toa Toa, who is always a, a wrecking ball. So we're probably going to expect a lot of that in two weeks when we head out to Reno. I think when it comes to number one, I like Nevada there just because I think they are overall the strongest team. Uh, Fresno State sticking at number two. I think with that, you could kind of say, I think we can all agree the refs this game was pretty bad. They had a lot of calls going in their favor. We had a couple of calls going in our favor. I think you could just rack this up to Jake Hayner. This is kind of be his off game. I think Fresno State is still one of the most talented teams in the Mountain West. And I think there's no question that the West is stronger than the Mountain Division. Because I think in the Mountain Division, I don't know who leads right now because – I know that Boise's now one and one in the Mountain West. I know Utah State is 0 and one. I'm not sure. I think Boise State might still be in the top of the Mount of the Mountain Division. I'm not sure. Oh, is it Air Force? See, this is what I mean. The West Division is just straight up stronger. And so now with Hawaii being one and one, I'm fine with them being seven. We're still kind of on the bottom, I would still say of the West division, but I am happy that we're much higher. I think we were around eight or nine last week from Josh. So thank you very much, Josh. Yeah. I mean, I think Nevada is probably one of the well, more well-rounded teams in the conference, but I, I kind of talked that he put Fresno state over San Diego state. I mean, that, 
that Aztecs defense is really good. And I think they made they made the top 25 this week in the AP, right? And yeah, and which is I think they were on a bye week too, which is even makes it even more weirder. But um yeah, I like you said, that West division is strong. I thought it was weird that Hawaii was picked to finish, I think fifth early in the preseason. And that and now it kind of makes sense because you got what Nevada, Fresno, San Diego State, and and San Jose State all in front of Hawaii. And you talk about that mountain division. I was like, I think it's Air Force leading. I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure it's it's not Boise. I think it's but yeah, right? That that mountain division is definitely not as strong as the West. For Mountain West fans, I mean it must be really weird to see Boise State not anywhere or not in the top of the conference right now. I mean, you talked about Air Force, that's coming out of nowhere. Like, like you said early in the preseason um, recap, those, uh, those armed forces goals can come out of nowhere. But I'm just really shocked that Boise State, after keeping it, after a weird game versus UCF, is not at the top of the conference. I think with Boise State, it's obvious that they're having a really bad time at the offensive line position. It's not good. Uh, compared to a lot of years, it's just not at the level that you're expecting it. And then just checking, it is Air Force at number one. They're tied for first alongside with Utah State and Boise State as they all stand at one and one. Wyoming and Colorado State have still yet to play a conference game. And New Mexico is sitting there at 0-1. So, yeah, the Mountain West, I think, is definitely shaping up to be an exciting year of football in the division. I personally won't be surprised by the end of the year. It shapes up to be Nevada, San Jose, Fresno, then Hawaii and San Jose State, personally. I just think that San Jose State is sitting at a level right now. Like, we saw that in our game, that was our game to lose, and we lost it. And I think we're at a level right now where we're our defense is playing at one of the best levels. Our offense, without Shevin, played very well. We got 232 yards rushing. It's just something that you don't really see from a Hawaii team a lot, probably since the days, probably most recently the days of Diosmi St. Juice, you know. So I really like it when Hawaii starts running the ball. You saw Day-Day Hunter, you know, shaking people off. Diedrich Parson just running through absolutely anybody. And Calvin Turner just breaking off whatever he can break off. So I think if Shevin was in there, uh, I know a lot of people share the sentiment that I think this game is more than a three-point win. I mean, that's honestly a better segue than I could have asked for. I think one thing that I saw that I would have liked to see more of was Diedrich Carson. I mean, yeah, Dede Hunter got the rock a lot. He got 127 yards. But I think I saw a lot of good vision from uh, Diedrich Carson. I think on that 34-yard run, which is a season long for him, he saw that hole open up on the right side, I believe. And just burst through it for that 34 yards. He looked really fast, really explosive. I, I think he should be one of the more featured backs in the offense. Yeah, I think you had a good point. Um, looking at the stat line right now, actually, I think he only had about, what, six yards on his other three carries. That's why. And, um, yeah, I, you guys talked about how good the offense was, but I, I kind of questioned some of the play calls that were made throughout the game. I mean – to be fair, I, I thought Shager did well with the hand he was given, but I he kept running these like wildcat plays with Turner at quarterback, and you know I I'm not really sure about that. It, it's when I can predict where the play is going based off of that formation. That that's sort of a sign that you need to change things up. I think I would have liked Turner to see at least throw the ball once out of that formation. I'd just like to note the minute Brees said anything. Tanner rolled his eyes at him. So this is the thing. I Because I work at ESPN Honolulu. I do vet a lot of the phone calls. I see every single text that gets texted in. And over these four weeks, I am so over this play calling thing because I hear it enough from Bobby. I hear it enough from John Veneri. They talk about it all the time in their play, in their, uh, when they're on radio. And it's just like, this is the thing. I think against San Jose State was the most egregious of them mentioning conservative play calling and we're running the ball up the gut too much. What happened this week? We ran the ball up the gut. And how well did that go? Very well. 
and no one was complaining about conservative play calling. The only time we ever seen, I think we tend to uh, complain about that is when the play doesn't go well. And you know what that probably chalks up to? The defense doing well or the offense not executing. So I think I do agree with you though. I think we got to chill out on the wildcat. Uh, Calvin Turner. I like him sporadically throughout the offense. He works very well as a slot receiver. When he, uh, we would run him at slants a lot. I know with Shevin uh, last year, we've been having him running on goes. We've had him at deep curls a lot and he tends to drop the ball here and there, or, you know, he's overthrown or underthrown. I would personally enjoy it if it was day day and Dietrich at running back and they run that Calvin Turner wildcat probably like five times a game. And that's all we need. And guess what? You can throw the ball too. He had, I think he had one pass last year. It was an incompletion. It was slightly overthrown to a Jared smart would have been a touchdown. But other than that, we haven't really seen him pass out of the wildcat. So I think when we, we should do wildcat goal line offense, because I feel like that's an issue that we tend to run into is that our goal line offense is a little bit sparse. I liked our super heavy, uh, set that we did when we had Foy Shaw, we had like two fullbacks and he just ran up the middle of Shev, uh, uh, with Calvin. I like that. I think chill out on the wildcat. I want more Diedrich. Like you said, I want more day day. Heck Kuali Nishigaya got on the field. Yes. Uh, on Saturday. So I'd love to see more Kuali when he was playing last year, he was like playing very well last season. And I'm genuinely a little bit surprised how little playtime he's getting along with Dior Scott, who I also think should be getting more play play time. Speaking of five times, let's talk about those five deep shots. I, you we were talking about this earlier. You said they were probably looking for a PI call or something, but I think if you're going to throw five deep shots in a row, it's just, you need to understand, like, that's not always going to, I get you look for the PI, but I, I think the intermediate pass is open. If you were, like maybe throw the deep shot twice and then look for the intermediate out that we can get a stoppage of time and maybe kick a field goal or something. But I, I don't know. I can't get behind that. It looks like some of the play calling was a bit repetitive at times. And that's just something that can happen, especially in a football game. I agree that we shouldn't do that, but it's not like Bo Graham was like, Hey, I'm going to have you pass the ball into the end zone five times. Bo Graham's not throwing the ball. Braden Shager's throwing the ball. And I think when at that point, we're, I think we were down to two possessions. So I think when you're in that mindset, when you're a true freshman, you have the ball. I don't think it's not fair to say that you're thinking, I got to play a little bit of hero ball here. If I just toss it up to Nick Mardner, who's 6'6", six, six, towering over, I think Lux was covering him for most of the game. I feel like you get your 50-50 ball there. If you do it like three times, I'm fine with that. I think but like I agree with you. Braden should have been looking at the more intermediate routes. Uh, usually, I think he just took one, two, three, toss it. So we never had time for a lot of those uh, routes to develop. I know Jared's smart. He should be getting a lot more looks than he's been getting this season. I'm very disappointed in that personally. But he's had a lot of times where he is about to come into his route, where he's just about to get into that slant but the ball's already out of Raiden's hands and it's already down the field. Yeah, you talked about Jared Smart. You know, Saturday was the first game in his career with Hawaii. He didn't have a reception. Or I don't even think he had a target, too. I think, yeah, Hawaii threw only, I think, four different receivers. That's it. And, yeah, I mean, I can see, well, I can see you talking about the pass interference. I mean, Fresno State had so many penalties. I think there was, what, 10 for 120 or something. Yeah. and Should have been more. Should have, yeah. Let's be let's be honest. I, I wasn't gonna touch this, but if we're gonna talk about the officiating, I, I the one call that stood out to me was when they called the chop block on Frazier, who by the way was not even blocking. He was on defense for Hawaii. It happened twice, right? It happened a couple of times. I'm not so the part that uh Bodie's talking about was when Braden got intercepted, but there was a defensive holding call. But during that interception, there was a chop block by the returning team but the refs called it on Hawaii. So they were like, these penalties will offset first down. And then like, there was obvious confusion with everyone on the field, including the officiating crew. And it was just like, 
are these guys like doing this on purpose? Because there were multiple, I think it was that drive or another drive. I think it was the chop block drive with Quentin Frazier where like they threw a penalty. They said it what it was, but then they came back to talk about it a little bit more. They're like, oh, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? This is genuinely one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen. Like, I think there was the touchdown to uh, Pope where it was obviously a catch. Like he had his arm down right here and it was like touchdown. Yeah. And they were like, this play is under further review. And it took a little bit. And it was just like, we know it's a touchdown. It's like not even, I don't think it was even a question. At least personally for me, it wasn't a question. Would you say it was worse than the Rams-Saints game where Nikhil Roby Coleman absolutely killed Tommy Lee Lewis? That's a fair point. I will say also, it's a little off topic, but my, my friend who I do my podcast with, uh, he goes to Michigan State, so he watched the Michigan State game this weekend. There was a call, a targeting penalty that got upheld. The guy, there was no helmet-to-helmet contact. By literally, I don't mean like, oh, he tackled him and his shoulder hit him. What I mean is the receiver is down on the ground and the defender's helmet was literally like above him. Like one guy was on the ground and one guy was on the air. The only contact was an elbow that hit the guy's helmet and it was called targeting and it was upheld, which is, it's, it's really hard to look up this play. It took us a long time to find it. You have to find a recording of the game and go kind of near the back end of the game. But that is one of the worst, like, non-penalties that I've ever seen in a long time. And so, so yeah, we could have had it worse. (laughs) But, yeah, I will say, you know, I've watched a lot of ILH games. I watched a lot of OIA versus ILH games. I would say high school refs would be doing a lot better than the officiating crew that we had last uh, two nights ago. Strong take from our former editor. Where'd you go on that, Reese? Oh, I, I don't know. I mean, he said a lot. I mean, that said, I only watched like a couple of like high school football games. And I have to say that every time I did, it felt like the penalties were more towards my high school. <laughs> so it actually, I actually have no clue what it's like. If it's like to have like a decent high school officiating group. So I'm not saying they're bad or anything. I just, I don't know what happens when it's a, you know, a well played game. What I'm saying was we don't have good officiating crews. <laughs> I go to I went to Punahou. Uh, I will out myself there. Uh, so I am definitely seeing games where it's like Punahou versus St. Louis, and they I I remember one of our uh, punt returners fair caught, caught the ball and ran in for a punt return touchdown. Stepped out of bounds by the way as well, and no penalty and was called a touchdown. So. I've seen some pretty bad games in my time. See, this is unfair. I went to Kalani. I don't even know good <laughs> football. Imagine winning. Uh, you know what? I want to go back to that. I went to Kaiser. So, like, my senior year, they didn't – they canceled football, right? It made national news. So, you know, I've seen bad football. I've seen good football. And, you know, I have to say, going back to, like – what is it, ILH refs? Did you do you remember about like I think five or six years ago, they actually made Come On Man on ESPN. <laughs> oh my God, I remember you talking about it. it was the St. Louis Kahuku game, right? And the ball, it was a field goal, and it was I think it was it was wide left, wide right, totally. And both of the refs didn't even see the ball, and they literally look at each other. They're like, "Did you see it? Did you see it?" They look behind. There's like a stadium worker on a or like something, and he just goes like. He, like, throws his hands up really quick and, like, shrugs his arm. They're like, okay, the field goal was good. It's <laughs> it's Hawaii officiating at its best. And, you know, it's great to see them, you know, have representation at homecoming. I guess uh, getting a little bit back on topic after that whole tangent. I mean, one targeting penalty we saw that was overturned was, like, Kevin Atkins' uh, targeting call. So it was really funny because me and Reese were in the block and they had uh, the CBS broadcast. And you saw the um, infographic where it had like, okay, so it needs to be like purposeful contact. It needs to lead with the crown of the helmet. Me and Racer both looking at we're like, we're, you know, it plays a slow-mo replay. We're like, you know what? It, it looks like he leads with the crown of the helmet. It looks like it's going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be confirmed. And then they just come along and feel like, all right, it's overturned. Like, what? Okay, sure. 
that wasn't even the worst part. The worst part was there was a roughing the passer and it wasn't a roughing the passer, in my opinion. Like, I thought the targeting was there, but I didn't think the roughing the passer was there. And they called, they actually went the opposite way. No targeting, but a roughing the passer. It reminds me of that phantom, uh, the phantom roughing the passer, you know, the Chris Jones on Tom Brady one. I mean, like, you can talk about the exact same game where Quentin Fra- I mean, it was the it was the play that Jay Kaner got injured on. It was where the tackle kind of blocked Quentin Frazier into Jay Kaner's leg, and they called that roughing the passer. So, like, on impulse, you would be like, oh, yeah, he dove for his legs. That should be a penalty. But I feel like at that moment, if you see an offensive lineman push a guy down and he lands into the quarterback's legs, that's not roughing the passer. That's 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 like what that's team damage right there. You have to turn that off. And luckily they had it on and they got the roughing the passer there. So it's I think we can agree on this if we want to stop talking about bad officiating, because I feel like everyone can do that all day. But it was a bad officiated game. Hopefully we won't be having a game like this again in the future. Hopefully they'll bring in crews that are somewhat competent. I mean, speaking of the tackle play, I mean, I think you saw some just like bad play from both sides of the tackles on um, Fresno State. Uh, Bull had two holdings and then Akin Bulu, sorry if I mispronounced that, but um he, it looked like he was getting into it with some of the Hawaii players I saw it from the box, but I mean, neither of them like played a clean game. It looked like they had a lot of penalties, and I think that was the difference for Fresno State. Yeah, there were there were a couple of things I thought that Fresno State obviously, you know, the penalties, but there was like, I kind of didn't understand why they went for it on fourth down late in the game. I think when they were they were up seven, I think, and they went for like a fourth and nine on the forty and. I think that's one of those situations where you just got to kick it. You got to pin Hawaii back. You can't give them that good field position, especially when the momentum was in their favor, right? I think they scored the, I think the first touchdown right to Phillips was right before that. And when they were coming down, I think you got to pin Hawaii back. You can't just, you know, try and go for it there. And another thing is why they stop running it with Ronnie Rivers. Why would they continue past it? Especially after Jay Kaner came back from the injury. Like, obviously, Ronnie Rivers was being ran in that second half. But I feel like at that point, you just got to kind of run it down our throats. Because that's what happened a lot. They would run it down, run it down, run it down. And then Jay Kaner threw an interception. And then they would run it down, run it down, run it down. And then Jay Kaner threw in another interception. And so it's just a whole matter of, yeah, stand on the back of your of your uh, Heisman quarterback. But I feel like at that point, uh, DeBoer has to do his job as a head coach and be like, maybe we should keep running it. Cause I don't think it's a secret that Hawaii has one of like, just historically one of the worst run defenses in the NCAA. And it's a miracle. We only held them to about just over, I think 120 yards somewhere around there. And a lot of that came off of, you know, Ronnie Rivers' big runs, and also Jake Hayner just scrambling out of the pocket. So they really did take advantage of those situations, but I feel like it was definitely a squandered game when it comes to a game plan situation for Kalen DeBoer and his Bulldogs. Yeah, you talk about that. I mean, I thought I thought Fresno State kind of played directly into what the strength of this Hawaii defense is, right? They have that strong secondary against the pass, you know, not so good on the run, but – and then – you know, they ended up throwing, I think, 50 to- 51 times on Saturday. And then they only ran it about, I think, maybe 30-ish. I would probably say less. I have to check because if it's, like, sack-adjusted and stuff. But, yeah, I think Ronnie Rivers, he only had, I think, about 74 yards. And he only – and he it's not like they didn't give him the ball. He ran it about 15 times. It was just, you know, got held up by the Hawaii defense. So props to them. I mean, you know, Hainer kind of got uh, lost in the sauce there on one game. There was that one where I, I think it was a third down, and then Hainer kind of got lost. I could keep saying this, lost in the sauce, and he scrambled for a 28-yard run, and, like, just at, that was an absolute killer run. But I, I think one good thing is that uh, Jalen Crawford came off, I think it was a four-touchdown game. He now only had, I think, 73 yards and a single touchdown, which the, the touchdown isn't great. 
I mean, we held him to one touchdown after having four last game. And under 100 yards, I think that's a win, to quote Hulk. I mean, if you look at it, I feel like Hawaii, when it comes to teams like Fresno State, and we saw it last year with Nevada, I think Hawaii is a competent pass defense. We didn't see it a lot against UCLA or Oregon State when they were just beating us up. But I think that's just us being on the road and us not being very strong on the road, going against teams that we're not necessarily uh, familiar with. Um, We're going against Fresno State in two weeks. And we already have – not Fresno State. We're going against Nevada in two weeks. And we already know we can beat them. I think – I'm confident that we can beat them because we've done it before. Whether it be, you know, Todd Graham blocking up Carson Strong and – Romeo Dubs space. I think Romeo Dubs only had one catch that game. And then you go back a year before where Rolo and the crew went to Reno, just absolutely smacked them 51 to three. So I think it's not going to be a 51 to three game because, you know, Nevada is a very strong team this year. Um, But I am very confident that we can win this game. All right. I mean, as someone who used to play soccer, I love special teams. Kicking's fun. You know, <laughs> kicking's great. I, I like returning in Madden. That was fun. But um, I, I think you saw some weird things from uh, the freshman kicker, Halverson. I mean, this is what, his second kickoff out of bounds this season? Because we talked about it earlier in one of the other games. But I think it it's at least a little cause for concern. Because, you know, in the NFL, it does happen. I was watching, I think, the Bucks patriots game, which breaks my heart. But um, you saw, I think it was... Bradley Pinion kick it out of bounds on the kickoff. So it doesn't happen, but twice in like what three weeks? That's it, it's a little concerning. Yeah, you know, I you know, actually I think one of those kickoffs, he actually cramped up. So he was like hobbling to the sidelines. So I don't know how if that was the one that he kicked it out of bounds, but yeah, uh, I know this is something that I don't know if you want to touch on this, but it's something I want to. It's I don't know why Hawaii was playing as starters on special teams, in my opinion. Like, again, I never played football, but, you know, on that opening kickoff, I think where Lockridge got hurt, I was kind of surprised he was out there. Like, I'm assuming you play your reserves on there so you can get them playing time and keep your starters on defense off the field as much as possible for, you know, resting. But, yeah, that's a huge loss for Hawaii right now, I think, not having Lockridge. So when it comes to special teams, I think it's on first impulse because in the NFL, you see a lot of guys who aren't necessarily starters play but i it's that's because those guys are specialists like you can look at the patriots matthew slater he's not a starting wide receiver but he has the most pro bowl selections of all time as a special teamer he has a reputation for being a special teams player i think when it comes to college you get your best you get your fastest guys and your guys that can tackle on special teams so whether it be kickoff coverage uh punt return punt coverage if you're going after a guy you want your fastest guys out there and Cameron Lockridge is not only one of our faster guys he's one of our best tackling cornerbacks so I'm personally don't see an issue in that uh with the issue with uh Kyler Halverson um I do know that he is that uh I think it was I can't remember if it was last week no it was the game two weeks ago I think they Kyler Halverson wasn't playing and they had Ben Falk taking kickoffs because that was due to uh, Halverson uh, nursing a groin injury. So what I think uh, you're referring to, I think that could be Halverson just kind of re-aggravating a groin because I don't know if you guys ever like uh, strain your groin before. I've played football. It, I've, that's, that's happened to me before. It is not a fun time. It takes a little bit to recover from. And it's just kind of one of those injuries that nags you until you can get prolonged rest. So I don't blame Halverson. He's been doing, honestly, I think he's actually been doing a pretty fine job as a kickoff specialist. He's been, when he's been able to kick it into the end zone, he's been able to do it very well at a very, uh, not super consistent. You'd like to see it a little bit more, but when he has a little bit of wind behind him, I do like his kicking power. Um, and then lastly, I feel like I've, I want to cover this because last year I was really not a Matthew Shipley fan. I did Whenever he came out for a field goal, I'm like, he's missing this. 
But this year, other than one, I think it was a 48-yarder against San Jose going into halftime, which is a hard kick for college guys. 48-yarder, that's not supposed to be consistent. I think he's 7 for 8 this year or 8 for 9. That's one of the two. I know he's only missed one field goal this year. So I'm really proud that, you know, he's uh, getting really good at field goal kicking. And as a punter, other than his one mess up against UCLA, where he uh, kneeled the ball at like the six yard line, he's been doing a very good job at punting, whether it be pinning, whether it be getting really good sky kicks, at least that's from what I assume, because usually I'm too busy to watch at that point, but I'm really it's really good that I think that Matthew Shipley is developing into that kind of uh, uh, kicker. Like we had for a couple of years, uh, Rigoberto Sanchez, who now plays for the Colts is one of the better punters in the league. So I think he could really develop into something good for us, whether it be, you know, as a place kicker or a punter going into the future. I will say, although Cameron Lockridge got hurt, I think Hugh Nelson played really well. Yeah. I mean, he locked up their guys and even had, this is going to be the biggest thing, that clutch intercession with nine seconds left in the game that sealed it to put the game on ice. Although, uh, anyway, back to special teams. The, the one thing I am a little concerned about is the um, punt and kickoff coverage because um, they're going up against a good Nevada team. I looked at the stats a little bit earlier. Their uh, kick returner had, I think, 31 yards average on his uh, three returns. And, I mean, yeah. Uh, Mims only had one return, but it was for 37 yards. And I think he saw some cause for concern. He just bounced it straight to the outside and went straight up the sideline. I agree. Coverage could be a lot better. Um, but I feel like that's also just due to lack of no Cameron Lockridge. I feel like if he's there, I don't know if it stops the 31-yard return, but I do know that it definitely limits it. Probably doesn't get that. Um, but yeah, special teams is definitely one of those, you know, sides of the ball that no one really, it's the third side of the ball, you know, no one really thinks about that a lot. So I think we got to do a lot better when it comes, like how you said, coverage. I think that's a great point, but we'll have two weeks of rest and hopefully, you know, Halverson can nurse that leg into kicking out of the end zone every single time. All right. Now on to what I think is my favorite bit of the podcast. I hope you're all prepared because. This is going to be a wild one. A song that summarizes this game. So I think me and Reese have prepared this, you know, every week and we've come up with some really weird songs. You had Taylor Swift one week. But, you know, we'll start with you because you're our guest. So I went with a classic. It's become a very fun song for kids these days due to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Of course, I'm talking about Mr. Blue Sky by Electric Light Orchestra. I think it doesn't summarize the game per se. I think it summarizes, I think, a lot of Hawaii fans' feelings, you know, where it's just that, well, it's also scientifically a fact that Mr. Blue Sky has been proven to be the happiest song ever created. I know that there's a source for that. You can look it up. But I think when you think about it, when you uh, look at the chorus, I think that's what it reminds me of when it goes, Mr. Blue Sky, please tell us why you had to hide away for so long. Where did we go wrong? I think it's just like, that's how we're feeling when we're going into the game. It's like, we haven't, look, we've only won two games. We've only had one FPS win. It was against New Mexico State. Where did we go wrong? Why aren't we seeing these blue skies anymore? But then you see amazing win. I, then you start thinking of that sun is shining in the sky. There ain't a cloud inside. And so it's just like that positive. I know I felt I felt like I, w- I could jump over like the hedge or anything, jump over a building after that win. So I'm happy. That's why I'm just thinking Mr. Blue Sky is the perfect way to sum up. I think this entire homecoming weekend, which actually went very well for the University of Hawaii, I think. Yeah, I mean, I was at the women's soccer game. They finally broke their seven-game losing streak. And Michelle Nagamani was hyped for it. Yeah, you talked about I put something out on Twitter this past weekend. I think what, women's volleyball and football went 3-0 on campus this week. So that was pretty good for a homecoming weekend. And he talked about, you know, soccer snapping it. And then trying going back to our song bit, you know, trying to get a little bit back towards on topic. Sorry about that. No, it, it's, it's a good point. That's why, too. Um, but, you know, I'll go with something, you know, I kind of, I went with um, 
queen uh kind of magic you know it's kind of what it was i mean i you know for them to come back to win on saturday i thought it was over for them because they weren't really any getting anything productive done on offense and then they end up scoring i think 17 in the fourth because their defense ended up giving them really good field position on these turnovers so yeah it was very magical a magical night in manoa i guess if you want to put it that way Wow, I think we really missed out on a headline right there. Magic in Manoa. Yeah, you can but... put it in now. <laughs> Going to blocks. Do it. <laughs> anyway, for my song, I went with On Top of the World by Magic Dragons. Because I think at the game, that's how we all felt. I mean, I was texting Tanner a little bit after the game. I was texting. I mean, I, I was there with you with Reese. I, okay, so we have to make a formal apology. Because me and Reese thought that... Um, Homie's going to get wiped this weekend. And, I mean, they pulled it off. And I have to say, as a Hawaii fan, I'm on top of the world. And, I mean, you know, I think there's not a better way to describe the feeling right now. I think that's – I love that. I love your guys' choices. Those are two great songs. And I feel like – I don't know if we want to, like, go off the topic. I know I'm not the host here. But I feel like – I feel like we really took it down to the wire for each uh, sport – whether it be Hawaii getting the last second interception, whether it be the Rambo Wahine volleyball taking it to five sets after leading uh, 2-0, literally going, I think it was supposed, for me, it was supposed to end at 6.30. And then it went all the way into like, what, 8 o'clock, 8.30 or something like that. And then, of course, Rambo Wahine soccer, you know, it's not a win, but it is breaking the losing streak. And it is a point. And that is one more point that uh, the Rambo Wahine had you know, than they had two days ago in Big West play. So that's, I think it's really a great weekend for the University of Hawaii. Could have been better if we had fans at the YPL Soccer Complex, at Simplify Arena, San Sheriff Center, at the Clarence C.C. Chang Field. It's just, could you imagine, like, at at, uh, T.C. Chang, if fans just, came out of the stands just uh what's called charge the field i know someone said they would uh pull down the goalposts i would be like okay guys let's not do that let's keep the field down for at least one more year so that we don't get any complaints from a certain governor but i'm not saying anything there i mean to be fair there weren't technically any fans at ypo although so if you ever been to ypo stadium like there's like that little hilly area that the cops technically don't define as YPO soccer stadium. So there was a whole people just like standing there watching. What do you mean, game. Bodhi? There were no fans there. What are you talking about? That oh, play that doesn't exist. I hope I don't get killed by the government. I was really funny on that topic. Uh, Josh Pacheco, you know, he does a lot of the baseball games. He uh, during uh, last semester, I think it was one of the first weeks of baseball, and he was calling the game, and he was like, oh. I see people out, you know, all the way out there. And he was like, shout out to the people out there. And then like an inning later, he saw a security golf cart drive to where they were. And then they got kicked out. Yeah. You talking about that. I was there at those games last time. So they, they, there was, yeah, it was like, they were on top of the little hill and right center. And then I didn't know he called them out because the next thing you know, you got campus security driving by Mm -hmm. telling them to leave. You got people parking at the gate and like, trying to watch the game and then you know you there's so many different ways for people to watch games here on campus I mean you got I think Austin Teixeira from baseball his family has a house like right above in that little area above Lesmer Commons. so they were watching from there and you know you got coaches watching from their offices and watching from the football game and then going back to what you said about uh Rainbow Wahine volleyball I, I think they actually I was there last night they, I think they had match point in set three two so yeah, I was kind of shocked that it, it ended up going to five. And they actually finished after women's soccer went double overtime. So, yeah, again, great night in Manoa, though. All right, now that we've covered stuff on campus, let's go around the whole college football world and, you know, around the Mountain West. I think we touched on it a little bit. I, I think the Mountain West game of the week has to be Nevada and Boise State. I mean, if you can think of a better think game. it has to be them. It could be Hawaii, Fresno State. Oh, okay, but we've touched on that a whole bunch. <laughs> Outside of Hawaii, Fresno State, 
Nevada and Boise State was one of the better Mountain West games this week. Yeah, I was just about to say, like, I know which game was your game game this week, but I was like, I think mine would have to be, you know, Fresno State Hawaii. I mean, going down to the wire, top 25 upset, probably the best game, speaking objectively. But just for the sake of it, yes, we can talk about Nevada and Boise State. And But I also want to mention, you know, San Jose State, they barely held off New Mexico State this past weekend with no Nick Starkle. And again, another, you know, they got the win. So another tough division, another tough program in the West Division this season. Does Nick Starkle qualify for Social Security yet? It feels like he's been in college football forever. He's like the, he's like so the Hunter Renfro. This is 13, so. Because he was at Texas A&M and Arkansas before coming here. Um, you know, you definitely are a little bit scared of San Jose a little bit because they are 2-0 in the conference. But I feel like they're going to start dropping some games here and there, especially if they couldn't handle New Mexico State, who we kind of, you know, we kind of beat them up a little bit. So that was definitely fun to see. Um, if you're looking at Mountain West games, I mean, technically there are only – two true Mountain West games, whether it be Hawaii Fresno State and Nevada Boise. You know, Nevada Boise, I think, is one of those hyped up matches because you have, you know, Carson Strong. He's led up to be this first round quarterback for this year, uh, especially with Romeo Dubs and um, Toa Tawa, who did a very great 130 yards and two touchdowns. I think something crazy like that. And then not even to mention, like, the supporting cast at Nevada because I think the guy who did, I think one guy who's very much underrated when it comes to the um, Mountain West, oh, if I can just remember his name, this is very, Dom Peterson, the defensive tackle for Nevada. I think he is going to be one of those really great defensive tackles in the NFL. He's a huge guy. I think he does a very good job when it comes to run stuffing or even pass rushing as well. So, that's definitely a guy to start looking out for when we uh, go against Nevada. Not even to mention, you know, they still have guys like Cole Turner who did basic because he was their number two guy, but basically became their number one guy after we committed to locking down Romeo Dubs, who I remember doing very well against us last year at Aloha Stadium. So it's definitely something to look forward to as we come out of the bye week this week. Um, of the two Mountain West games, sure, we can make it the Mountain West game of the week, but I think it's hard to not say unbiasedly that Hawaii-Fresno State, I think, was the best game when it came out of this. Other than that, you could probably look at UTSA, you know, beating UNLV by one touchdown to stay undefeated. Um, so good on UNLV for keeping two straight games in one possession. So yeah, excited to see them, you know, hopefully get their first win before us so that there's not that pressure on us to not be their first win. Okay. I'd like to clarify something because I feel like I'm being attacked. I'm not saying Hawaii and Fresno state wasn't the game of the week. I'm just saying that because we covered them so much, it was, don't get me wrong, it was such a great game, but outside of that game, Boise state, Nevada was a pretty good game. Sure. We can say that. Can we say that, Reese? Yeah, I think we can say that. I mean, I actually didn't really watch it because I had to get ready for the game and for Fresno State Hawaii. But yeah, sure, we can go with that. It could be a lot worse. This is my show. Why am I being attacked like this? Hey, you brought me on as a guest. I feel like you should know what you're getting. Anyway, outside of the Mountain West now, Tanner McKee and the Trees, or well, the Cardinals. Tanner McKee and the Trees. That sounds like a good band name. Take down former number four, Oregon. Well, speaking of non-25 teams, I mean, we should talk about Maryland because we got to get those Hawaii ties in there. I mean, what do you think of Talia and his five interceptions? Um, you know, I think obviously that's not a great stat line. I wasn't expecting this. Let's, I'll be honest, um, this question. But, yeah, it was. it's not a great stat line. Um you know, but I, I always went, they're not, they're not what, number three or four in the country now, right? After this week. And that defense is, well, if you get five interceptions, you say five, right? So technically it's six because their backup quarterback came in and threw one. But yeah, Talia had the ball with five. I think with, it's sad 
to see that happen, but I also got to remember that it is a top ranked Iowa team who is, you know, has a very great, you know, defense. They're one of the best defenses in the league. They've won games based on their defense, having whether it be pick sixes, game stop, you know, uh, offense stopping um, drives out there. Um, with Maryland, you know, I'm definitely was excited for them. I really thought they were going to do something there. I didn't think they were going to win, but at least compete. So it's really sad to see that Talia, you know, have one of the best, you know, looking stat lines out there. Then I think he had the least interceptions or tied for the least interceptions, you know, for starting quarterbacks. Then after that, he had the most interceptions. So it's sad to see, you know, uh, Tua's former center out there, you know, not making it. So it's a, it, there's still an entire season left. Maryland can probably make it off with one or two win, uh, losses there. So excited for Talia to grow from this loss and see what it comes from the future of that. Unfortunately, on Twitter, I saw the nickname for Talia. Talia turned the ball over, which you just hate to see. They say that for Tua all the time. I hate that. I don't know if that's just because he's from Hawaii, but it's like, come up with something that's like creative, you know? It's like, oh, his name his has almost like the same syllables as turned the ball over. Wow, that's a great one, guys. That's super creative. I mean, now moving on. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little salty when it comes to Hawaii guys. I love to I love to see them, you know, succeed. I don't like it when people bully my guys. Yeah, uh, I wish we'd thought about that when I accidentally made the mistake of calling Nevada Boise State the game of the week. <laughs> anyway. Looking two weeks in advance, the Warriors will travel to Reno to face the Wolfpack. And I think you saw something a little bit different from this Nevada team. We touched on it a lot, but now we can really get into it. I can't, you, when you think of Nevada, you think of Carson Strong throwing to Romeo Dubs and, you know, just a pass heavy offense. But you saw Tola Tawa come up with a very strong performance versus Boise State. I think when you look at that, you do have to be concerned a little bit because, you know, as we've touched on before, Hawaii is not the best at limiting the run. Um, I mean, when you look back on the game from last year when we won, I think it was 28 to 21, something close to that, we did do a really good job of limiting Toa. Um, we did a good job of, like we said, only held Romeo Dubs to one catch because I think our strategy was for a long time for that game, they just had Cameron Lockridge over wherever um, Romeo lined up. So Romeo and Cortez would usually line up on each other. And then as a safety, Cameron Lockridge would shadow that. So they did a really good job of limiting the home run ability of Nevada. They were still able to score a little bit here and there just to, to be, you know, being able to get guys like Cole Turner to pop off. Um, I think Carson Strong and the Wolfpack will find a way to score. It's just a matter of will Hawaii's offense not have a slow start. Luckily, we did not have a slow start for once against um, uh, Fresno State. We just have to, you know, keep our foot on the gas pedal. That's our main issue there. Yeah, I think you talked about, I mean, it's just keeping your – like foot on the gas pedal, like you said, I think you also have to, I think it just seems to, you got to find consistency. I mean, that seems to be the problem for not just this team, but for, I guess, other fall sports, even in Hawaii. Like, I mean, you got, I think soccer, sorry to go back off topic here, but you know, like soccer and women's volleyball, they haven't had their, they've had their highs, but they've also like, they haven't been able to keep it. So, you know, can Hawaii find consistency is my main question in for, a couple weeks from now you know I, I like the women's soccer team they coach Bud has been so nice to me it would be cool whenever I go into my interviews but I wouldn't exactly call it highs like you've seen good things like you've seen them shut out UNT and UC Santa Barbara but I mean there's they still remain winless on the season so I mean they're 07 and 2 right now at a 0.111 win percentage and it's rough it's rough to see and now to get off topic on your off topic subject, I do want to pull back on what I said a little bit ago. I said to pull up the stats of last year's game. I was incredibly wrong. Uh, Toa Tawa, along with Devontae Lee, both combined for about, you know, 
202 yards. And but we also only limit them to one touchdown. So I think what is imperative, it's what we did against Fresno State. Uh, if we want to get back onto this topic, because I feel like with the whole Rainbow Wahine soccer, they're winless. They're not doing very good. I know Bud is frustrated. I've heard Josh talk to me about, you know, being able to hear Bud's frustrations on the field, especially when it comes to, you know, not being able to have fans or, you know, music during halftime. So, I mean, any coach would be frustrated with being winless, but I'm sure they'll get a couple more points as the year goes on, hopefully make it back, maybe just kind of sneak into the playoffs, you know, for the Big West uh, Conference uh, Championship. But with Hawaii, we just got to do what we did against Fresno State. Ben, don't break. Jake Hayner did a lot of magic with the ball alongside Ronnie Rivers to get into the green zone, to get just about there. Then we see Cortez Davis have that amazing toe-tapping pick. Then we see Corey Bethley have that amazing diving interception. And then when it gets to the point where we can be aggressive, then you see another Corey Bethley pick. Then you see a Corey Bethley sack for a fumble. I mean, and then it's just like our defense is strong enough to at least limit other offenses. And we see them play at a very elite level. Both Darius and Isaiah Tufanga, they both had drop picks that would both have changed the game, you know, huge because with Darius's drop pick that drive led to the first touchdown of the game for uh, Pope when uh, he uh, blew by Quentin Fraser. So if he gets that pick, then that touchdown doesn't happen, but you can't drive a game like that. It was like, Oh, but you didn't get the interception. You have to treat it like it's a batted down pass. So Hawaii's defense. I'm really confident in them. We have to generate more pass rush. We did really good at generating pressure. Now we got to finish it. We had Blessman and Peter Tonga both get sacks, but I want to see more from guys like Ote Baker. We know Jonah Lulu can pass the rush, and he is a big guy. I want to see him have that same performance like he did against UCLA, where he did get two sacks. I want to see guys like Ote Baker. Like Ote Baker has a couple sacks on the year as well. So I think as the year goes on, this defense is only getting stronger, and this offense is getting a little bit better here and there, here and there. Our offensive line, run blocking was the best it's ever been this year. And our imperative to that, Dead A Hunter goes off for 120 yards. So I'm excited, but I have to hold it off for two weeks because of a bye week. So it's, I don't know why you did that to us, Dave, how you had to schedule us a bye week right here in between two such great games. So I think it's going to be really great for Hawaii fans, you know, who could possibly make the trip to Reno because that is the thing you can do. And hopefully with those two weeks, three weeks after the Nevada game, our cases start to drop. Maybe, you know, Governor Ige chills out a little bit. I doubt he chills out a little bit on restrictions, but at least to allow family of these athletes. Because I will say, you know, we're all students here. Yeah. If you were doing something, whether you're performing, whether you're um, in a sport, having your family there makes it like perfect. I know personally, I had a year when I was in Colorado Springs for a year before I transferred to University of Hawaii and I was in a play and I was just like chilling and I was like, oh, and then after this, I'm going to fly out for Thanksgiving. My parents made the trip without telling me and I saw them in the audience. It's to the whole thing of just like, they're right there. And I think I had one of the best nights I ever had when I did that show. So whether it be fans of the stands or at least, at least family members, I think I know that David Lasner and Dave Matlin are both fighting hard behind the scenes to just get fans in here or families in here, whether it be the stand sheriff, whether it be, at Clarence C.C. Ching Field, whether it be a YPO soccer complex, all these places. It's just so frustrating that there's so little logic when it comes to allowing a group of people to gather, whether they be all vaccinated, whether all be mass, socially distant, at 50% capacity in an open-air stadium. But yet, it's just like, but yet this happens, but yet this happens, but yet this happens. So I think 
if we that happens, that'd just be cherry on the top. Yeah, you definitely talk about, you know, you t- you mentioned it yourself. They're like having your family at these games, or they're so, or your performances, they're so key. I mean, there was like, like the last weekend of athletics last semester, they had f- family and friends in the baseball game, and it it was such an electric atmosphere that it almost. It, I mean, I think. I don't, I think Hawaii ended up still, I think they only, they went like three and one that weekend, but, or not three and one, they lost three of the four, but it was still like one of the most electric things. They were, everybody was super hyped. Everybody was, the players were hyped, everything. So yeah, I, I kind of wish, I obviously I get it. It's, it's maybe it's not safe to have fans, you know, you don't want your hospitals getting anything clogged up, but I mean, at some point you got to just, I don't know, take a risk. I don't want to be that guy that says, all right, let's get back to football, but <laughs> let's get back to football. So you talked about Don Peter. So you talked about Don Peterson, the defensive tackle earlier, who had two sacks in his last game. And then there's another guy, Tristan Nichols, who's actually a St. Louis grad, who had two sacks last game. I think the interior line's going to have their hands full with them. And I, I feel like we've kind of wrapped up now a little bit on the Nevada talk. So I'm sorry to bring it back. Now we're going to take a little bit of something from the 50th Pink podcast. It's only one game, so it's going to be a Kahlua pick. So who, who do you think is going to win? I did get surprised there. Are we going by – because we usually do it by spread. And you can't, you can't, like, find the spread of a game that happens in two weeks, unfortunately. But I do know that Nevada will probably have – I'm just going to guess probably a 10-point spread, probably somewhere around there, because I know Hawaii opened up against Fresno State with 17, then it got to 11, then it got to 10 and a half. So I do think Nevada's going to be the heavy favorite, so I wouldn't be surprised with like an 11-point spread. I'm going to just go with Hawaii. For the, so I think they're going to cover. So whether that be them winning the game outright or like losing by at least 10, I think Hawaii will make this a competition. You know, Mountain West play is very different from the games that we had against UCLA and Oregon State. We're going to keep it. We're going to keep it close. We know these guys. We've beat them before. So whether it be looking back and seeing what our game plan was last year, look at what's happening this year and just edit it, fine-tune it here and there, and finding a way to incorporate the running game in a more, you know, not a forced style like how, um, Reese, how you were talking about just running wildcat like six times in a row and just being super predictable. I think we got to do that. I think we do that. We can at least keep it competitive. So I'm going to go with Hawaii on this one. I think Hawaii has the tools to win, but I think like my main question, like I said, is are they going to be able to find this consistency and, you know, on the road in Nevada on television, on national TV, I know they did it a couple of years ago, but you know, this, I, I, I think I'm going to, stick with my preseason prediction of Nevada going winning in a couple of weeks, but um, I think Hawaii still has a good chance. I mean, but I want, I want to see them utilize like short to medium passing routes more. I don't know if it's like, because it was something I noticed with kind of with Shevin too, is that he's throwing, he's throwing a lot of deep balls and I don't know if that's what the routes are, what the play call is or what he's just reading, but you know, there were, like I think the both of the passing touchdowns they were I think what one was a crossing to the tight end right, and then the other I think was a, and another was I think Turner on a switch route with like a heck of a catch. To be fair, the Caleb Phillips touchdown is technically an intermediate route. It was an intermediate crossing route, kind of going against the grain, and yeah. Yeah, so it's I know that's not what this team wants to necessarily do, but it's. It's, it's efficient. It works. And, um, you know, you can't, you can't expect to go, you win these games where you're going like these, you're just going like run, run shot player or something and expect to win. And, you know, they did last game that the defense had to force like six turnovers to do so. So, and I just want to go back, Corey Bethley, what a game. I saw a lot of um, comparisons to everybody was like, he looks like, like Nate Jackson in 2001 and stuff. And I was like, but you know, I think the three of us are all very, we're too young to remember that. I don't think I'm Bodie. I don't think Bodie was even born. So. I was not born in 2001. That is way before my time. Yeah, I was one years old, probably at that point. I feel like for kids these days, I feel like a good comparison 
would be like Tyron Matthew. He had a very Tyron Matthew like, you know, whether it be his energy, whether it be his, you know, just ball hawking skills, at least that day. I love Corey Bethley. I've said this for, I feel like a year now. He is just the, he is the exact kind of five, nine, like five ten safety that you like. He is feisty. He's going to hit you in the mouth and he can pick the ball off with some speed. And he's a great leader. I love Corey Bethley. I mean, I guess going off our imaginary 10 point spread, I, <laughs> I think I see Hawaii at least covering the spread, but I, I can't see them winning because, like Reese said, I can't. There's something, I think that's just a bad taste in my mouth from when we were talking about Chance Nolan and like how bad a situation that quarterback room was in Oregon State. But I, I think it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And I'm just not sure that, or I'm not confident that they're going to show up each and every week. And I'm not sure they can show up against this Nevada team either. And I can't tell if you're rolling your eyes at me either. I'm taking back my sentiment. I'm get, I'm, t- I'm giving Hawaii the win. I'm not, I'm not going to say they're going to cover the spread. I am going to go all in on this situation because I've been saying this, I think, since this summer. If you are on my Twitter or not, I have always tried to spam the Mountain West wire whenever they talk about Nevada. And I've always said, but they lost to Hawaii last year. And I've had, I'm definitely like, have, I love to be a little bit of a Hawaii troll. It's always fun when it comes to Nevada because they always tout them as this great team. But we beat them the last two years in a row. So I'm going to go against you two. I'm going to be the positive person in this group. I'm not going to be like, they're going to lose. I'm not going to be like, well, hopefully they'll cover. I'm going to give them the win. I'm going to give them at least, I think they're going to win by more than three points. It'll be more than a last-second field goal. It'll be more than them just hoping to stop a field goal. I think it'll be a good win. I mean, all right. With that pick, I think that pretty much wraps up the show. Unless you guys have any final thoughts? No? No? All right. Keep Keep Cincinnati Cincinnati in the top four, AP, please. You know, at this point, we should just use a student media poll for everything. Honestly, the AP is an old poll. It's, It's outdated. Heck, when their website comes out, the poll looks all crazy. That's why you should definitely follow the student media poll on Twitter and follow us as we release our rankings every single Sunday, right around 11 to 12. We will always get our poll out before the AP Top 25 because they don't know what's going on. Just please don't look at others receiving votes. Please do not look at others receiving votes. Look at only the top 25. That will be, I think, a great way to end this podcast, personally. Yes, thank you for looking at me while saying, don't look at others receiving votes. Anyway, from myself, Bodie Asimoto, Reese Nagoka, and our special guest, Tanner, mahalo, and thank you for listening to our podcast. We'll see you next week. Well, actually, we'll see you in two weeks because there's a bye week.